Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation. I am... No, you're right. must be something else. (laughs) I am Ron Kolick, your host. The most confused Ron Kolick at this point in time. Uh, anyways, from someone who's never confused, my co-host from across the pond, Mr. Stephen Parsons. So there you go. Good af- good afternoon, Anne. How are you? Anne? Am I Anne? Well, if oh. this is Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways. Um, are we going we- cemetery tripping? No. Anyways, I am totally, totally confused. I don't even know where I am. So there you go. Um, we do have a a uh, supposed to have a guest on, Mr. Cocker Johnston, who is going to talk about some kind of devil, but um, unfortunately he had to cancel. So he got him. I don't know. Uh, anyways, but we do have somebody uh, eventually uh, <laughs> who will be with us, and she is an intuitive investigator and someone who I know very well, um, Laura Worcester, but she evidently. Is not here. Nope, not yet. Dear audience, okay. please <laughs> chat amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so let's get get away from that for a second. Yeah, let's let's, let's, let's go to uh, what the what we we're going to talk about. And uh, as I mentioned, one. as I uh, put on um, on the uh, where am I now? Uh, as as I put on my Facebook page, uh, we're doing an investigation tonight. And uh, I, I was chatting just a few minutes before the show with uh, Steve, and um, we were talking a little bit about how different people do different investigations. And I guess we, we kind of do it differently, right? Steve? Steve? Okay, I don't know if I'm on or not. Okay. Am I back? Okay. So anyways, uh, wonderful world of Skype. Ah, and I can't believe this. Anyways, uh, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. Let's pretend this didn't even happen and we'll start all over again. So anyways, uh, soon to be joining me will be somebody eventually, of course, in uh, the world of cyberspace. But uh, No, it's all right. No, it's back. Oh, God. What was that all about? I have no idea. You just 
You know, when it's quiet. the paranormal stuff. I don't I don't believe this stuff. I can't believe it. It's just it just it just stopped. It just went really quiet and then which happens occasionally for a few seconds, but then hey, what happens? Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about investigating because I have an investigation tonight in Drake. And uh, we, we we have a, I guess, I wouldn't say a, a difference of opinion, but uh, we certainly have a difference of opinion. I guess we would say that. Um, because uh, you, you, seem to, you seem to take a more passive approach to ghost hunting than we do. Uh, well, it's not a difference of opinion. It's a difference of technique. Um, I prefer to use a more passive technique. Oh, wait a minute. I believe Laura's with us now. Laura, are you there? Hi. What happened? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Laura. Hi, Steve. How are you? Very well. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Good. Joining cool. us now, of course, is my soul sister, the wonder twin itself, Laura Wilson. <laughs> Good afternoon. Hi. And she is just like a drooling woman. A what? <laughs> Say that and again. The United States just drools over an English accent. This guy could be oh. <laughs> the most devious person in the world, and they would be like, oh, he's English. Just keep he's talking. So anyways, um, that being said, uh, the drooling un-Englishman, uh, oh, no, that would be me. The Englishman uh, was just speaking, and he was telling us how we had a, a difference of opinion on ghost hunting. So, so Yes, he was. Right. So can, the, can that guy At the point, continue? Skype fell off again. <laughs> can you continue, please? I can. Um, I just prefer to use a more passive style, which is historically uh, the one that's been preferred you know, right the way back through the ages. Uh, if we go right the way back to Pliny, um, he also uh, documents the, the work of the investigator Athenodorus, um, and it's passive. You know, the, the early 19th century and earlier ghost hunters uh, didn't, they weren't proactive in what they were doing. Doing, unless you talk, uh, consider the seance, uh, psychical side of it, where they, they engaged in seance activity uh, in order to elicit information from the supposed haunting spirits. Uh, but for the rest of the time, um, they tended just to sit around and wait for something to happen and document it, which is a technique I prefer to use. Mm. That's interesting. Whereas, you know, I tend to be more active, hence the term ghost hunt, is we actually go after them rather than... Them yeah, but there's a problem with that. There is. Only in your mind, not in mine. No, no. There, there has to be a problem with that. You've, you, you've got then large groups all sort of uncontrollably milling about the building. Plus, uh, actually, if you, if you look at some of this interesting work that's been done from crowd control uh, and, and in particular lost children. Uh, the, the idea of two people searching for each other when both are mobile uh, actually decreases the chances of them coinciding or bumping into each other. So if one remains static and the other is mobile, you actually increase the chances of coinciding with each other. So statistically, I have the advantage, plus I'm not making a, uh, a load of noise by clamping around the place. Oh, so, so, Laura, I mean, you're an intuitive 
and you also have done investigating with us as, as a member of the New England Ghost Project. I mean, do you find one way better than the other? I, I, I think I'm missing something. I must have missed something at the very beginning of the show. So uh, when I understand what the more passive way that Steve is mentioning. I call it the lazy way. So I, you know. <laughs> But, but what, can you can you define exactly what that means? If you go, you said going after them, that you go after them. What does Steve do? That's different. Steve. I don't understand. Um, essentially, what we do is we divide our, our teams, our investigation groups into pairs, and each mm-hmm. pair will go to a particular area. Oh, so you do go in there for the duration. Well, it sounds like we, the same so, thing. <laughs> It is. It is. But what I think the difference is 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 one of it's semantics, really, because what Ron does is go from room to room, whereas we put two people in each room and leave them there. Um, it is a more passive so we approach. We do both. Well, we only we only use one method. I mean, we yeah. do re- re- relocate people uh, in in situations where the area where they're going to be spending time is uncomfortable, or you know, or uh, environmentally not conducive. So we will, you know, we will limit the time there then. But ordinarily, that pair of investigators will remain in that same location for the, the investigation because it allows them to acclimatize to the location. For instance, you know. Uh, Everybody listening will know the normal sounds and sights and smells of their own home because they, it's familiar to them. Whereas if you go to a different location, it's unfamiliar and you require time to acclimatize. And also what we have discovered is that where you get uh, normal events that have a long duration, for example, we were doing an investigation some years ago at uh, a haunted uh, museum building. And people had reported the sound of uh, a metallic sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was being reported intermittently by other investigation groups. But our technique allowed us to show that it was actually repeating around every 45 minutes because the people were constantly there. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be part of the building alarm system. Uh-huh. Ah. So it does give you the ability to acclimatize to the location. That makes that makes sense to me. But I mean, we kind of do that anyway. So if you set up a base camp, you are actually, you know, connected to each of those locations as well. So you have a constant in all locations. Yeah, um, but if if the people are moving, they won't. Right. You know, investigator A hears the sound and notes it down. Investigator C comes along an hour or so later and notes down what they interpret to be the sound. So. You have two different perspectives, whereas if Investigator Ray hears the sound and then sometime later hears the same sound, you don't have that perspective. That's brilliant. Perspective shift. I like that. Mm. Usually, Ron, I mean, just from my experience working with you on the, on the investigations I've taken part in, um, we typically don't spend a huge amount of time in one spot. I mean, we might no. spend – yeah, and we tend to move around. So that, that's actually – a very good idea to with to... the exception that well it is and it isn't except mm-hmm. that you are for instance let's you know i use intuitives or mediums or whatever you want to call them in mm-hmm. my investigations mm-hmm. so if you have only one or two in a group 
uh, than uh, if you have someone who's an EVP specialist in a group or another specialist and, and you're just sticking them in one location, then you're actually handicapping yourself because you don't have that tool available in other locations. Maybe. True. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, I'll, take that, I'll take that I, as almost a I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, I mean, I, when you think of it this way, can you really get a good sense of paranormal activity in a building with one night investigation? Can Is it best to maybe do a couple of evenings, you go when you get a baseline, you talk about some basic things that you all kind of found in common, go back and do it again and have people switch it up? I mean, is, is, it, really, is it really possible to get some good paranormal evidence in one evening? It is possible, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's what you're talking, what you're talking yeah. about is the uh, ideal situation, Laura, when you, you mm-hmm. could go back many nights in a row, that which would be awesome. Uh, but uh, that's you know yourself that it's difficult at times. That's a luxury, but, yeah. Yeah, it's very luxury that's mostly not affordable. And, and Yes, Steve, I know you're going to say something that's – go ahead. Well, well in terms of um, – investigations you, you i don't believe you can do it in one night it, it just it just wouldn't be possible or practical uh, for lots of reasons um when we, when i mean in the modern context where where locations charge uh sort of forced into a situation of making the very best of a very bad lot uh, by going there once but you do have uh, the advantage nowadays of, of course, the accounts via Facebook and the internet of lots of other investigators that are, that are going to the same location. Um, but if you are conducting your own investigation, uh, as we did at the shipyard uh, near Liverpool, uh, we spent three years and over, you know, uh, well over a thousand hours at the location. I mean, that's totally awesome. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and that's I, and that's that's mirrored in other investigations. Also, mm-hmm. we talk about that one, but lots of our investigations. Now, Steve dropped off, but anyways, I know that. Myself, that uh, we have investigated places several several times, like the Hooten Mansions, for instance, and and the Wyndham Restaurant. Uh, we have gone back and forth to them many many times. So we do have, you know, not that anywhere close to the luxury that Steve and his group had, but it, at least we do have some baselines. We do have some ex- previous experience at a location. You back with us, Steve? No, he's yeah. still good. No, I am. I am back, but it's. It's. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and turn on a second uh, broadband system. So, uh, chat amongst yourselves for about three or four minutes, but I'll still be <laughs> online. I'll still be online. I'm just going to switch up a second broadband system as well to see if it's if it's uh, here. You know, okay. that's that's the UK for you. You know, someday, whatever. Now, be now. right back. Be right back. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so you're. We, we have done that, so we have had the luxury of, of locations that we have gone into several times. And So let me ask you that. Have you gone to locations several times, and, and what is your feeling about that? Uh, I can't say I've been to so, uh, one particular location in so many times that I can say for sure that that was beneficial or not. I mean, that's only, it just seems logical to me that um, – it would be beneficial to be able to 
to investigate a space over time and even over different seasons because you know that can also affect the sounds in a building you know cold and warm and all those things so um you know i i, I can't say i'm just going coming from a logical point of view more than an ex, an experience point of view so well well speaking as a as a medium or as a intuitive um mm-hmm. and you You're deal with spirit and you deal with spirit spirit excuse me um how is your? I mean, when you first go into that building and, and the spirit is, has never seen you before, I mean, there must be some type of, uh, you know, feelings that the spirit has. You know, are they, are they afraid of these people? Are they shy about these people? Are they angry about these people being here? And then mm-hmm. these same people come back again and again and they become more familiar to the spirit. I mm-hmm. mean, how how do you think that would be affected it? Yeah, I think cause I, I do believe that um, people who do work in this field quite a bit and, and they work in very familiar places and they go back over and over time, um, they build up a, a relationship with the spirit world and the people who um, are, are, I don't want to say it, attached isn't quite the word for it, but the people right. who, you know, the, the spirits who tend to reside there. Um, I mean, we've seen that with, um, with uh, in Gettysburg with uh, Mark Nesbitt. I mean, he obviously has, has a lot of experience with, uh, with the, um, the spirits that are there and that are connected with, with that space. And almost and, a rapport. Um, yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. He comes back and visits them <laughs> from what I understand. Um, and he, he knows them by name and um, they, they have a rapport with him. So they tend to, um, to trust him, it seems. So, um, yeah, so that's a pretty cool thing. Well, here's another question. I mean, I often wonder, um, you know, spaces that are known to have a particular event happen in history um, and people go to uh, investigate it because of that particular event, um, if it's known for that and people consistently come all the time to investigate that space, how does that affect the um, the psychic information that's in that space? Like, for example, um, uh, Lizzie Borden, you know, mm-hmm. um, everybody know, everybody has in their mind what they might expect to experience in that space, and they know, and there's the pictures and the stories and all those things that um, we know about about what happened at the Lizzie Borden house. Um, how do you think that affects the information that we perceive when we go in there? I think that you know a, a place like that, a place like Eastern State Penitentiary, and yeah. even the Hooton Mansion. Now, I I, I think that all that that people going in perhaps they create some of the energy that is uh picked up i i don't i don't think necessarily that it's an intelligent energy that but it's more created energy mm-hmm. uh, what, what's your thoughts on that um yeah, I think a lot of the, um, you know, maybe if someone comes in, they have a sense of fear. Um, they might be attributing that to the murder itself, or it could be just someone who's coming in to investigate it who has that, who brought that in with them. Um, you know, so I mean, if someone's just coming in, just getting a sense of how some someplace feels. Um, so they, it, there's an overlap of all that energy and the memory of, you know, the, the energetic memory that's dropped there. Um, so you, you wonder um, when, you know, it's, it's so rare to come across a space um, that is, is raw psychically, you know, um, nowadays because everybody tends to go to the same places. And, uh, it's, and it's such a blessing to be able to do that sometimes. Like some places like, like – um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, like the, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the bar in downtown Lowell, um, you know, that, that space isn't necessarily always investigated, but we're, I mean, we got some pretty interesting um, evidence and experiences there because it's not really known in that particular, the, the second, third floor there to, known to be, um, to be investigated a lot. So we were able to really truly experience some, real raw psychic information so um what do you think steve are you back yeah he's back now oh. unfortunately oh stop I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm back um i'm sort of rapidly trying to play catch up you're absolutely right in, in, in fact you're both absolutely right uh but i wonder how often it is that uh you, you start off investigating a report somebody says you know that we Experiences we've things have happened here. You go along um, primarily to to look at their experiences, but then you end up investigating your own experiences because you yes. sort of spread out a little bit. And as you just said, you end up on the third floor when you know no before. Um, and I sometimes wonder: do we sometimes create our own haunted levels, our own haunted building? I'm sure we do. Areas. Oh sure yeah. Simply by the fact that we're looking, and because of our familiarity with the location, mm-hmm. we sometimes ascribe perhaps too much uh, to what might be ordinary. You know what, Steve? Too, and and this is going to sound kind of crazy, but what doesn't from my mouth? Um, <laughs> sometimes I believe if, if first of all, if you believe that it, the spirits exist. I, and and if you go back to like uh, you know the the main reason that the uh, the Ouija board is so hated and despised is is that they you know you don't know who you're gonna get and mm-hmm. then there's the, always the the caveat and they'll be who you want them to be I think that can happen in locations where the spirit almost assumes the identity of whoever you want them to be whoever you're looking for and. Uh, I think, well, well, Laura, I mean, you're more purist than I am on that. I mean, do you think that's even possible? What do you mean purist? I'm not quite sure what you mean. Well, there's an experiment that's absolutely demonstrated that, Ron. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Are Um, you talking about what, the haunted house in Canada there? Yeah, the Philip experiment, where a group of investigators actually set out to um, create uh, an intelligence. They gave it the name Philip. They they gave it a bio uh, it a biography. Mm-hmm. Um, they used seance techniques to communicate with it, and over time, it developed a personality. It developed all of the characteristics of a of a classical, you know, seance encounter. Yeah, my my was a little bit different in that 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 I assume there is the existence of spirit in that location, and the spirit in that location actually uh, assumes the spirit to be the spirit that people want it to be and but, but uh then that is the philip experiment because well it is if there's, if no there's nothing that, there anyway uh, or or you know as we yeah. as as the philip experiment demonstrated just the presence of the investigators uh, you know has sufficient is sufficient to create you know the so the, we create the, our own reality quite possible well we do i mean you know, 
We know that. Medicine and science has understood that for years. We are a product of our own imaginations because our brain interprets our senses for us and we rely upon those interpretations. You know, this this thing that people say so often, I know what I saw, I know what I heard. In actual fact, you don't because we are consistently at the mercy of our brain. When we read a paragraph of a book, uh, when we hear a sound... We, we don't. And when we look at a colour, we see it slightly differently, but it's only through uh, training and conditioning that we understand that, you know, blue is blue and red is red and that word means that and mm-hmm. that fish smell a particular way because our brain is interpreting things. for, And, in fact, it's yeah. running ahead of us. Um, our brain is, you know, milliseconds ahead of us all of the time and acting as a sort of, uh, you know, a bleep button, um, you know, on reality. Right. And, and I've said that many times that w- when we actually see something or, or observe something, there are so many experiments you can do for this, is that we only see the, the changes that, uh, that made the, the, the action changes and the brain just fills in all the rest. We actually don't even see the background. We don't see this and everything because our brain just fills that in for us from memory. It says uh, that's, and that's why equipment is so valuable. That, that's why. It's a good point. Uh, that's why camera, uh, video cameras uh, in particular are so, so useful because they're objective. They don't have this, this interpretation problem and they don't have this subjectivity. Um, they, they record what they see and they record what they hear. Now, you do have a problem later when you watch it back because people right. will then interpret the recording. Um, but it is still an objective. You heard a sound. Then yeah, you know, we have we have your account of that. But if if it's recorded by a device, then something took place, right? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Is is I almost think that uh, you know, intuitives like Laura are actually more accurate than our instruments in that they bypass all of the distortions that our brain puts together. Well, to a point. I mean, it, it has to. It... It has to pass through our brain to get out the information needs to get, you know, to the world <laughs> through that's our true. mouth. So, that's true, yeah. Um, it has to somehow it, – it's rare to have information that's completely not tainted by the um, intuitive's brain, you know. So um, – when we, that, I mean, our, our goal is to make it as untainted as possible and as clear and the, the clearest channel possible. Um, but obviously, it is, it is, it has to, some of it has to come through our interpretation as well. So, and our, and our level of experience, and, um, you know, so, um, yes, I, and it, it's really, I think it is good to have both, um, mechanical, uh, you know, inst- instruments and, um, uh, yeah, electronic instruments that co- that collect the information as well as Absolutely. people who Absolutely. can sense it. Um, I mean, there's uh, there's often times when I've seen something um, that evidence that come through an electronic device, and I don't quite get it. But then you get the intuitive information that that coincides with it, and you go, okay, well maybe we have something here, and you know, vice versa. So um, it is good to have both of those. Um, yeah, and, and of course, the holy grail for an investigator has to be where you have. And it it does happen, but it's incredibly rare, where you have the subjective human experience mm-hmm. um, that is backed up and verified by an objective recording uh, device. You know, mm-hmm. I saw something, and there is something there. I heard I heard a sound, and there is a sound recorded. It might not necessarily tell us what the sound is. Right. Uh, the intuitive or the medium might say they're the footsteps of interpret it. Yeah, yeah. 
but so there is no anyways, doubt. Anyways, we're actually we're coming up to the break right now, so we're going to have to hold that thought. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, the podcast on iTunes, or perhaps you're even listening on your TuneIn app. I really don't know, and I don't care, by the way. So you have a great day. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back after the following messages. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place and an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron. See you then. Boom, boom, boom.
which I mean, I guess means we're back for part two of Ghost Chronicles International. Not if you tuned in at the start of the show and heard Ron say Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. (laughs) He can't keep everything straight. (laughs) No, he can't get it. And our special guest is Ron's co-host from the other show. No, the other other show. The morning, yeah, yeah, the other one. I actually said the morning show. (laughs) The former host. Yeah. So it's 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 co-host United. We could get Anne on as well. We'll go mad. Um and we were talking about the methods used to investigate haunted houses and hunt for ghosts. Before we do that, before I forget, uh, you always I wanna... do this. I know. I want to say happy anniversary to my wife for forty-two Aww. years. If I don't, for God's sake, Steve, you know I'll never last. We're going to give you the last fifteen minutes. We've got cakes and candles nobody, and all sorts. Nobody ready. listens to us after the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, happy anniversary. She's outlasted all my wives and all my past lives. So there you go, Jan. St. Jan. Happy anniversary, St. Jan. All right. So carry on. (laughs) Carry on. The woman's a saint, literally. Yeah. Carry on. I forgot what we were doing now, Laura. (laughs) Hey, just want to let you know, too, we have done a new. There we go. He's interrupting me again now. A new opening for Ghost Chronicles. I mean, new uh, ad for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. So it's a lot shorter. So there you go. Yeah, so that makes yeah. Sense. Take six thousand four hundred and twenty-seven. When's where's take six thousand four hundred and twenty-eight? You want it? It's even longer. Well, it'd be nice to hear it. <laughs> okay, fine. So, what were you saying <laughs> before you rudely interrupted me? We were talking about the differences uh, in techniques that you think that we have, but we don't, um, for hunting for ghosts. And and actually, we have a comment from the chat room. So the, the, this is from uh, Nathan. He says, uh, perhaps some members should stay in the same area throughout the night and others rotate. And that's kind of a cool idea, too. And that's sort of what we do, Laura, right? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I don't think we've ever spent that much time in any particular spot. Oh, base camps always stays in the same place. <laughs> true. true. Does, does, your, does your base uh, camp uh, actually investigate? It it monitors everything. No, I mean, is it is it an active participant in the investigation, or is it there solely to conduct the you know the the investigation to coordinate everything? It's it's to monitor and make sure. But we've had it in the past. I know uh, several instances where the ghosts, uh, yeah, the ghosts, the uh, base camp <laughs> has actually directed teams to go to certain areas to investigate mm-hmm. certain things that were going on. So yes, it's an active part in, in that manner, but it doesn't like move or anything does it does it do you position your base in a an active area or do you choose a deliberately inactive spot for the base uh we we chose a convenient spot (laughs) yeah that's exactly right the most logistically correct spot okay it's just that uh, what we do is um our coordinator which is our the same thing it's uh, we have one person uh, as acting as uh, coordinator for the investigation oh, we never have one person you always got to have two That's um cool. but go we, on carry on well well anyway um no we that person obviously has a great deal of information about the location whereas the investigation team generally doesn't and so we have to bear in mind that that person's uh, experiences could uh, be therefore questioned, uh, and we we deliberately position the coordination uh, base 
well away from any known areas of activity. But of course, the 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 person located there does have the ability to make notes and and record things. Uh, but we deliberately try and position uh, our coordinator well out of well out of harm's way. Okay. If it works for you, that's fine. I'm happy with you. Well, that's just, I mean, I, I, you know, I've said many, I, I try, you know, I've been asked to train many teams and, and deliver lectures to teams about techniques. I know, I know. It's and all about your accent. The, one of the things that I've always, I, I always prefix these, these sort of uh, talks with is that you don't do it the way I say. You know, it's not do as I say. Uh, you have to find your own way. I found a way that works for parascience and for our team, but every team has a different dynamic. Some teams are very sort of drawn towards the psychic side. Some are very equipment orientated. And of course, the individuals within the team are, you know, they vary too. Um, And so every team has to find a method and a set of techniques that suits itself. So it's not about do it our way because our way is the correct way. Our way is the correct way for our team only. Um, drawing upon, you know, lots and lots and lots of influences from other teams, from other investigators, from history, from from spiritualism, and we've pulled together a method that works for us and that that we're comfortable using. Now that method may not work for another team; they might want to cherry pick little bits of it. Um, but generally, one thing I always do encourage is objectivity and questioning, and a balance between. You know the use of equipment and the use of, you know, our God-given senses, uh, however many there might be, because we are at the at the end of the day trying to investigate a human experience. You're there because somebody has had an experience, not a machine, and so right. you do have to have that balance. And groups like you know there are groups here in the UK and and indeed in the states and some television programs. Have now moved away from mediums and, and sort of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Right, and they're and said up that, goes now. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're solely reliant upon technology, and we have no way of recording what Laura is actually experiencing, other than her own verbal accounts of it. But that's still a valid account, and that's still a valid experience that, as an investigator, we have to document and that we're interested in, and is just as valuable as a piece of information, as a recording from a, from a video camera. So the, the quality of a, an investigation is, is the, the whole of the evidence. It's not one particular thing. So it's no, really important. It's to... abs- absolutely. Balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, one thing I, I really like and, and have been using lately is, is more sensitives or, or more mediums working together rather than separated. And, it seems to get you get stronger impressions uh, and it almost seems like they fill in the blanks on each other at times. And I find that uh, very intriguing. I find it frustrating when they contradict each other a lot. <laughs> you get too uh, medium. You'll get too medium. I don't, we don't well, have that. We don't no, have that, that does happen. That does happen yeah. a lot. You and, go and to the same location. A lot? Mm-hmm. Laura? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah, Ron, we does. talked about Kerou Castle a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Yes, and, we did. you know, I've been there dozens and dozens of times with lots of different groups and lots of different mediums. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Apart from the published ghost story that's in all of the guidebooks, 
that's the only consistency. The rest of it is wide open. Different names, different dates, different people, different sexes. But that's children, not necessarily women, wrong. Men. I mean, that could be, they just could be picking up on different energy or different I know, spirits. but it would be nice to have some consistency that wasn't <laughs> in the guidebook. Yeah, it, it would be good. I mean, this, there's times when I've, I've seen two mediums get together and they link into the same information. They pick up and they, they layer, on, layer on each other with, with the different... Um, information it all points to one particular picture um, but there's some mediums that you know they you gotta remember it's it's the, the senses that we're using is what we know and what what information is available to us and what is in our our storage files in our brain you know and um, and it's interpreted through um, symbols and feelings and colors numbers all these things and and we all have different files in each of our brains so um something may click with one medium and another medium it might be tuned into something completely different because their experience in life is different so they're tuning into different energies and um it doesn't mean it's any less valid it just means that for whatever reason we're more plugged into a particular energy um fingerprint so to speak you know i i agree absolutely it's no less valid um but it is frustrating when you get these contradictions and true you say where you get the mediums working together um which you do see and i have seen on on rarer occasions but equally um from my perspective uh, from an entertainment point of view is when you get two mediums who who end up at each other's throats because they're contradicting each other and they start falling out in front of people. Oh, that should never happen. Um, Absolutely. When, never. When have I, you ever seen, I know, but you know... When have you I, ever so, seen that? <laughs> I've seen it quite a lot. I, really? I, I, I don't know whether it's... Uh, you know, I, egos can be quite powerful, uh, yes, both within investigators true. and mediums. And if one medium says something that that's, appears to be contradicted by another, it can sometimes... Um, you know, amusingly get a little out of hand as one feels slighted by the other. Um, and they make for, you know, those special moments that you, that you sort of uh, memorable nights out when the medium start. Well, in fact, I've seen this. I'm sorry, you know, uh, I'm not labeling just mediums. I've seen it with investigators where you get two groups of investigators actively, you know, going at each other, hammer and tongs because they disagree with each other's evidence. Um, and it, it really, you know, it it just makes the night more memorable, I guess. I, I just find <laughs> for it the wrong reasons. Right. You know, <laughs> e- e- even investigators they they get, you know, persuaded by the 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 stories of the place. You know, if they hear a noise and and it's clearly not a, a distinct noise, they'll make it fit whatever the story is in, in the place. Uh, you know, so it works for the, the investigator as well as the medium oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at Carew, um, you know, on a different night, I was there. And, of course, Carew has the, the, the famous legend that's in all of the ghost gazetteers. Uh, well, it's the, the monkey. I love um, the monkey. And, and on this particular night we were there, there was some, there was some disturbance, there was some noises. And what it was is it's also there's a colony of uh, rooks um, that, re- that, that roost there uh, in, the, in, in the walls of the castle. And you could clearly see the, they were flapping around. They'd been disturbed by the torches and they were making these sort of flapping and cawing noises. And one of the investigators, I heard the monkey. You can hear it. Listen, you can hear the noise of the monkey. Mm-hmm. 
and if you looked up, you could see the cause of the noise, but as you said, they interpret it their own way. They knew right. the story, they knew the legend. Um, and so, you know, these, these poor little birds suddenly became monkeys. Other oh, poor things. <laughs> the inhumanity of it. Well, it's kind of right, like but they, the, um, they look really cool on photographs. So, yeah. you know, Go ahead, Laura. Just, um, so many times, you know, people who aren't necessarily investigators, but, you know, they, they're homeowners and they, oh, there's so many things happening in my house, so many strange things. I'm hearing noises and, and doors opening and, and uh, I keep feeling a presence in my house and all these things. And they automatically go to, I think my house is, I think there's something after me. I think there's something evil coming after me. <laughs> and um, how many times we've gone and, and it's it's like, oh, it's just your mother trying to say hello, <laughs> you know, and they try to go the most, the most um, intriguing, dramatic uh, picture, you know, and it's, um, it's Cal Cooper's of... trying to call me. Oh, so... <laughs> telephone call from the dead. <laughs> oh, seriously? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know no, what I'm I... saying? Like people yeah, automatically absolutely. go to. It, it, it doesn't always have to be the, the, the the mother or the, you know, deceased or otherwise is trying to communicate. I remember, I remember doing an investigation once and, um, the lady had, had got in touch because she heard these groaning noises, um, and other strange sounds coming from you know, the house. And she was concerned. A friend had suggested that the house might be haunted. Um, and we went around, um, and, you know, she was telling us about these noises that were heard. They were they were animalistic, and there was groaning, and you know, they were really quite disturbing sounds. So we spent some time there, and as we were walking around, we noticed that uh, next door to her bedroom uh, was her teenage son's bedroom, and was <laughs> and he no no no, it's not what you're thinking. He okay. had, a, and you shouldn't be thinking that anymore. <laughs> he, he had he had a large he had a large plasma screen television in the bedroom and you know we did assume at first that he was watching um you know late night films um uh, which he of course denied uh, and he wasn't watching late night films he had a large stash of dvds under his uh, under his mattress um and when we explained to him the problem we we obviously had to find a way of explaining it to his mum so uh, we suggested that maybe he shouldn't be watching late night movies, which cured the problem. So it's not just dead that make noises so, that we so misinterpret. Let me, so let me get this: you you had a you exercised the demon. Uh, no, we just told him to turn the volume down. <laughs> <laughs> but what a, the point? I mean, amusing as this is, the point is the lady could hear the sounds, but she was interpreting them on the basis that, first of all, they were just disturbing sounds which she put down to possibly the neighbours. And it was a friend who had suggested the haunting possibility. Then the noises became menacing and dark and animalistic rather than, you know, she, she stopped looking for an innocent source, which was in the next bedroom, um, you know, a large plasma television, and immediately focused on the paranormal. Oh, it makes sense, actually. So, I mean, that's we're so influenced by so many different things. That's the the problem, I mean, especially all these shows on TV. And as the shows go, we do, we go. I think, uh, you know, I mean, that's so many of these ghost groups have gotten into what they're doing because of the TV shows. So, therefore, they they model themselves after the show. So, if the shows are fighting demons, then they're fighting demons. 
it, it, yeah, it's really, I mean, I, I always try to encourage people when they hear, oh, I think my house is haunted and some strange things have been happening. I just try to, what could, can we go to really logical thinking first before we go into the, into the paranormal here? Um, I had someone say, um, I have, I, I, I have every morning, my cup of coffee floats across the table. What's going on? Ooh, I um, like that one. That, <laughs> yeah, but it was a really easy um, fix. Um, you know, it, what it was, what was that? Was there like water under the, no. yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would, they yeah. were taking it out, you know, taking it out of the, um, the dishwasher, there's water still underneath yep. the cup. They fill it with hot water. It, it, oh, so cool. it, it, it heats <laughs> the water underneath the cup and it floats across, the, <laughs> floats across the table. It's like, uh, solved. No ghosts. You're fine. Nobody's oh, trying no. to haunt you. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, Do you find that when you when you provide people with that sort of plausible explanation, even when you demonstrate it, there's still a residual, <laughs> well, a a disappointment, but also a residual doubt that you're actually know what you're doing and that. You <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, you know, of course, it can't be the coffee cup. Well, you know, it, it, it's got to be something you know else. Um, something more, yeah. <laughs> because they they actually want because of the way that society has changed its approach now to the paranormal. I think, you know, that some places and some people actually want a, a haunting. Yes, absolutely. I, I know of um, one particular person that I know she's an, uh, an amazing medium and um, she, every once in a while she does house clearings. And um, so there was actually um, an energy supposedly attached to this person's um, living space. And, um, and she had asked, you know, can you help me clear this energy? So she did. She went in and cleared the energy of this, this person that used to live in the space that um, her client was in. And it was gone, done. Um, but, but then a couple of weeks later, um, she was contacted again by her client saying, I think, I think he's back. And come to find out, um, she was really attached to this energy, and she was worried about this person who had um, crossed themselves over, and and she wanted to make sure she was concerned about him, thinking about him. Is he okay? Did you know by sending him away? Did I make his, his situation worse? So in a sense, she kind of was attached to this energy of this mm-hmm. person who had passed, and she kind of called him back in and didn't and didn't even realize, and unwittingly she did it, and she was kind of attached to the the whole scenario. So um, I think we do do that to ourselves sometimes. Um, we have to we we don't realize how powerful our thoughts and energies and and intentions are and um and energy is is act- an actual thing and we need to be mindful of that and um so i think when people are really interested in the paranormal and the drama all, all surrounding it they tend to call these things to themselves whether they're true or not it's up to interpretation but um that i think that's the case a lot of times I mean, even I, I, the I, even the catholic church believes that they've been you know moving spirit for for a centuries and they're probably the most that their authority on doing it because no one else is really wants to deal with it but uh they have found in their own things that that the person sometimes you know even though they uh the the spirit gets pushed away or the demon whatever you want to call it is that the person is is so afraid uh that it isn't gone that it's actually they're actually wanting it back it's it's a kind of a uh you know not the positive thinking type uh thing it's more of uh, the negative thinking so Mm -hmm. does that make sense even i think yeah 
And you also get uh, com- I mean, people. It's it's like people who have medical problems or psychological problems, and they, they you know they 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 receive treatments, and the problem is is mitigated or indeed you know in some cases cured. They actually they kind of want it back because they've grown with that problem for so many years right. that they have that they have adapted to it, right. and. What you, the other thing that, you, that you, I'm sure you encounter, I, I mean, I know I have, is that you, you have people who, regardless of, of we've, we've talked about energy and, and bringing things back or wanting things back, where there's just willful fraud taking place. Uh, you know, I've investigated cases where we've, we've eliminated uh, a number of, of the claims one by one systematically. We've demonstrated that that's normal that that's normal, that that's normal. As fast as we're doing that, the client is coming up with more right. and more bizarre experiences. And, right. and what, what you actually realise is that they are just attention-seeking. They, they are so desperate for, you know, to exactly. be in the centre of the vortex of this haunting and to have these people come and to have this attention paid to them that they are creating... Uh, the 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 events and in fact that's been leveled in a number of famous cases like for example the Enfield case and has been you know, so, and has been asso- exactly that one and has been associated with you know one of the explanations of some poltergeist cases is that that you know people particularly the youngsters involved are so desperate for attention and mm-hmm. you know receiving the attention of the investigators they suddenly get this ego boost they become you know the, very much the center of uh, the world of this group of people, and that they will create these these events in order to prolong that situation and to prolong the investigation. True. So, poltergeist? Uh, are we talking? No, no, no. It's just one possible explanation of uh, that's been offered. Um, right. And it's right. certainly the case in 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 a handful of cases that I personally have have been involved in the investigation of. Definitely, the the. The homeowner, the the uh, who called us in, and and sometimes it's it's a commercial property uh, like a public house or a, <laughs> who 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 require you know verification of the haunting because it's good for trade, um, and so they will actually actively create phenomena um, as fast as you're debunking it, they're creating a new one for you. Well, yeah. what always cracks me up is is the ones that uh, when you go in and do investigation and they say, well, you know, how come you didn't do it like the Mario Brothers or, you know, how come you <laughs> didn't do it like, uh, you know, this or that, you know, because you, you must be doing it wrong because that's not the way I saw it on TV. Mm. That's, again, because people have, have this expectation. I mean, with Most Haunted over here in the UK, we had Which is coming of, back, right? Which is coming back in the autumn. Um, Yay! One of the cable channels that you'd probably be able to get in America. I hope so. Um, but we do have this, you know, when it was being shown, when it was at its peak over here, you would go along and people would be disappointed that you didn't turn off the lights and that you didn't turn, the, you know, <laughs> that you didn't point the camera at the investigator. Right. <laughs> talking to the camera. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, it, and people forget too, they're, they're edited down for time as well. I mean, yeah. if you see like, um, for example, a Long Island Medium or a place, you know, readings being um, done um, on television, they, they take hour-long sessions or hours-long sessions and they bring them down to just a matter of a couple of minutes and people think, oh, they, wow, they can do it just like that and get the information. Bang, bang, that, bang, bang, bang. 
Yeah, rum, boom, boom, boom. And um, they go, well, that's nothing like I saw on TV. Well, you got to remember there's editing involved here. You yeah. know? <laughs> and people just totally want to ignore that fact. And, uh, and that's, that's be- Peter Bell. That's because that? what you have is um, what is primarily a program that's for entertainment and, let's be honest, to sell advertising space, mm-hmm. um, is being yeah, – people – consider it to be a real investigation like you know there are people out there who consider some of the soap operas to be real um Midnight. and the, you know no downton oh. abbey doesn't exist <laughs> no, uh, it, does. it doesn't what <laughs> well you know why why are you saying that and, and i know we're all, that was the the doorbell which means pizza from the dead is here but I, I do want to mention that tomorrow night at seven o'clock is of course the video presentation of uh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, and we are doing a Downton Abbey theme. Uh, so you've got to tune in and see our new uh, opening, uh, the Downton Abbey opening for uh, uh, the show. And is there a dog this is just, this is just an excuse for you to dress up. Uh, you'll have to judge for yourself on this one, Laura. Uh, and speaking about that, Laura, you can actually watch the shows. The shows are being broadcast on Drinket TV as well. Uh, they're on uh, Fridays at one in the afternoon, and I believe Tuesdays at nine p.m. at night. So you can see Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation and the new Downton Abbey, which it's always uh, uh, it'll be interesting. Let's put that. I'm, get, I'm getting genuinely concerned, Ron, because you seem to have developed a, a serious dressing up fetish. Um, <laughs> what do you mean developed? Uh, I've had all my life. I've always, <laughs> I've always said I should have been a woman. You know, that or a, dra- a drag queen, one or the other. I have no sure. Which one. Hey, hey, Ron, what's your drag queen uh, drag name? Which is, do you have a drag name? No, can I have one? Go for it. Coca Cola. Well, anyway, so I guess we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. Uh, the tunes are here. So you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with the most reverend Steve Fawson and the humble Van Helsink and our very, very special guest, my soul sister, uh, the one that turned herself, Laura Worcester. Can we just, um, just, uh, Van, the mute? Van der Helsing. Yeah, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> Good night. Thank you. Van der Helsing. Thank you, gentlemen. Like to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.